In this week's parsha, immediately following the episode of Kriyas Yamsuf, one of the greatest miracles in Jewish history, the splitting of the Red Sea, the crossing of the Red Sea, the Torah says, "Vayasa Moshe es Yisrael miYamsuf." Moshe made the Jews journey from Yamsuf. A very unusual expression. You don't find it elsewhere in the Torah. This expression, "Vayasa Moshe." <clears throat> so Rashi explains, based on our sages in the Gemara in Chazal, that Vayasa he sion bal karchon, that he made them journey. In other words, against their will, he forced them to journey. The word Vayasa, he made them do it. In the Mechilta, Rabbi Yeshua actually takes it further than this. He says that the Torah is trying to connote Vayasa Moshe, Amr Rabbi Yeshua, Zunasiyah El Al Pi Moshe. This was exclusively the hand of Moshe. Versus the rest of the Nesiyos, the rest of the journeys of the Jewish people were Al Pi Hashem Yachnu, Al Pi Hashem Yisoh, were through the Eivishter, through God Almighty. This was Moshe Rabbeinu's own decision. Of course, other Tanoim disagree with him. They say, no, of course it was Moshe Rabbeinu. Rabbi Lezer says, no, and <clears throat> don't be medayik. Don't, be, uh, don't figure out from the Pasuk the way you are trying to interpret it. Vayasa Moshe Yisrael Miyamsuf, that Moshe himself did it. Vayasa, he did it against their will. Now, why would it be against their will? So for this, we have a number of layers of interpretation. There's a layer of Pshutisha Mikra, and then there's a deeper perspective. And Pshutisha Mikra, this is actually one of the ten places where the Jews rebelled against Hashem, rebelled against God's will. And this is, of course, Rashi's approach. That, and, and it makes a lot of sense in Pshutisha Mikra why this was a rebellion. Essentially, what was happening was that they were collecting the spoils of Egypt, which... Uh, Arrived, they, we know Hashem miraculously made all of the Egyptians with their uh, all the wealth and wagons and 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 pomp that all of that was swept ashore. So the Jews should be able to see their their enemies ad to see the death of the enemy and all of this, all of these spoils, all the booty, all the treasures they took, and of course the classic question of the mafarshim, all the mafarshim ask. I thought it already said by Yenatzluas Mitzrayim that they emptied out Egypt as they were asked, they were commanded by God to do. And so you have different answers to the question. Some say that Paroi's personal treasures, which are way beyond in, 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 a, in a country of a tyrant, the wealth goes to the tyrant, not to the people. So his Oitzis were, that, that's what was given out for this final war against the Jews, and that's what was being collected. Alternatively, the Egyptians themselves, each one, of course, they gave tons of items to the Jews, but everyone kept a personal treasure for themselves. So therefore, there was this new treasure trove, trove, and everyone was trying to get in on it, and Moshe is trying to get them, no, let's continue going to Har Sinai, and this is considered a rebellion. Now, after experiencing such an experience that they had, which is the crossing of a, an ocean in front of them, a sea, and seeing visions, Rashi brings, and Chazal say, that even the greatest prophets didn't see what the most, the simplest Jews saw at Kriyas Yamsuf. So how could they be focused on money instead of marching forward? 
But this actually kind of makes sense according to Rashi, because Rashi does not have, the Rebbe says it in another sikha, Rashi does not have this uh, belief system which Chazal, in Pshut Shomikra, that Chazal tell us that if they would have gone to Eretz Yisrael, Mashiach would have been here. So as far as they were concerned, of course, they were going to the promised land. And when they're in the promised land, Mashiach is not coming. And therefore, the question arises, am I going to spend the rest of my life working? Especially in the olden days, how, how many hours you have to work. Am I going to spend the rest of my life working? Or am I going to have this money with me that I am going to take and be able to spend, devote the rest of my life to internalizing and experiencing this experience that we just had. So this is, uh, according to Rashi, it makes a lot of sense. They were trying to do the money, but it was, a re- but, but obviously that's a sin, because where's your trust in God? If God really runs the world and He's telling you to do something, you follow His commandment, and clearly God will provide. It's not a question of Mashiach coming or not, or Mashiach not coming. If Hashem says He'll provide, and especially especially that you already have your needs met. You're just worried about future circumstances. Maybe at a certain point you won't have your needs met. Because the Gemara tells us that every Jew collected so much spoils from the Egyptians. There's even a Gemara in the Tractate of Bechayris which says that every Jew had 90 white donkeys, which is a strong donkey, loaded up with so then you're worried about a future eventuality this is a horrific sin this is a horrible sin fine that's an approach of Shemikra. however if we go deeper the approach of the Zoyar and the approach even of Chazal this whole thing falls apart because it makes no sense why in the world do they need this money first of all they have tons of money right so, so you're, you're opposing God after having such an experience after having such an experience because of some extra money, it simply it, it doesn't feel, doesn't sit right, doesn't settle well in our hearts. Such a thing. Would this really be enough a rational explanation about why the Jews were, were, were sitting and, 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 uh, and, and taking the money? Furthermore, they were going, where are they going? They're going to the desert. They're going to the desert. The desert, there's nowhere to buy anything from. Which obviously itself is, is, is the Amunah that we speak about, that they had that faith to be able to go into the desert. They weren't going into a place which they knew their security. It's a miraculous thing. They're going into the desert. Their needs are going to be met somehow because they're following God Almighty, which indeed ended up being the case. The Mun, the Be'er Shemuriam, the water, they got, had their needs met. They're going into a desert. And even if you want to say that, no, of course they're going to the desert, but then that's going to be followed by their entrance into Eretz Yisrael, into the land of Israel. That also would not explain it, because according to our sages, if they went in to Eretz Yisrael, Mashiach would have come immediately. They learned even from Psukim, in Az Yashar itself, from the song itself. So if they would have gone into Eretz Yisrael, Mashiach would have come. In the time of Mashiach, this is what we need, we need money. The whole thing doesn't make sense. The redemption of the whole world, the redemption, the, the, the completion of humanity. In fact, in a world such as Mashiach, 
pleasures of this world, the physical items, they're like dust. They're worthless. And on the contrary, they make a person, they're a distraction. They cause you to sin. What do I need it for? So this, was, this is what they were doing. What kind of explanation is this? So therefore comes along the Holy Zayar, the Zayar HaKadosh, and it says that why did it have to be Vayasa Moshe's Yisro Miyamsuf? That Moshe Rabbeinu forced the Jews to leave the Kriyas Yamsuf. So he says, <clears throat> so it says in the Holy Zoyar that they did not want to leave because it was such a mystical experience. It was such an amazing experience that they literally refused to leave. They didn't want to leave that experience. It's in the Zoyar Parshas Peshalach Tav Samach. It says, um, the Kad, I'm just going to quote two, three lines. The Kad Simu Milin Kulum is Basmon Benavshayu. They, they were all completely satiated from this experience. They finished saying the Shira and so on. The Tavin Lemechme Ulastakol, they yearned to see and to steer and to experience. And they did not want to leave there because of the, the tremendous desire that they had. And Moshe Rabbeinu had to force them. And it's a whole continuation in desire how Hashem had to reveal himself. He had to show them the Shechina in the direction of the Midbar, Midbar Shur that they should head in that direction. And in fact, we have a member from the Alter Rebbe, from the, uh, which written down by the Mitla Rebbe, recorded by the Mitla Rebbe, in Tovkov Samach Vov, um, 1806, which really gets into this Zohar, this concept, and it basically says that the Jews were experiencing Almadiskasya, the world of hiddenness, the ultimate revelation of God, and they got lost. You could get lost in the revelation. And you had to be told that no, the purpose of the world is to make a dira betachtoinim, to make a dwelling place in the lowest place. And you have to go face the physical. Um, he connects it that you have to leave the yamsof and you go to midbar shur. Shur comes to the word in Hebrew to see um, that some, the tangible. You have to, it has to come to the world of the tangible. You have to go into the desert. You have to come almadis, gaskia, to the almadis, galia. And Moshe Rabbeinu had to force them away from this mystical experience. However, the problem with this explanation, which sounds incredible, and this is what, why Moshe Rabbeinu had to force them, is does it fully explain to us the detail of why does why do Chazal tell us that they were Moshe Rabbeinu had to force them because of the spoils of Egypt that they were despoiling, and therefore they refused to go in Moshe Rabbeinu's direction. They refused to follow him. How, how do these two things match? And, and, and to deal with the question that we said before, how is it that they could care about money? Right? A prerequisite for spiritual, divine, prophetic revelation is the lack of care about Gashmias. This is actually one of the conditions. So the, the, and they had this experience, and clearly they're yearning for more of it. And yet, on the spot, and we know that they were yearning for the Torah, by the way, because the Ran t- famously tells us that this is the source of the mitzvah of Sfiras HaOmer, that we count the Omer, that the Yidin were so excited they were going to receive the Torah that they were counting every day, when are we going to get to the Torah? So instead of following Meshna Benu to go get the Torah from Harsinai, instead they're sitting there um, fighting for the spoils, trying to get as much money as possible. Says the Rebbe... Says the Rebbe, and it's actually the answer is quite simple. They had a mitzvah from Hashem 
to go take the spoils, take the the, the, the riches, to empty out Egypt. They had literally a commandment from God to take it out, to take everything away from Egypt. And of course, they fulfilled the mitzvah. And they had done the mitzvah very, very well. The Torah testifies that Mitzrayim was emptied. All of a sudden, they see wealth upon wealth and riches upon riches. They realize, did we really do the mitzvah? Did we complete the mitzvah? We have to, uh, we're going to have to go back. We're going to have to uh, the, the, not go back. Right now, we have to do the mitzvah. So all of a sudden, Moshe Rabbeinu, they had this revelation, and they're so inspired by the revelation that they said, we're going to listen to Hashem, and we're not following Moshe wants to continue to the next experience. Let's go receive the Torah. But what about the experience we just had, like the Zayar taught us, what an amazing experience, and with the fulfillment of the mitzvah which lies in front of us, which is to despoil the Egyptians, and they were fulfilling their mitzvah. And especially, listen to this, Rabbi Yeshua says, what did we just say before? Rabbi Yeshua says that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't even speaking in the name of God necessarily. Based on his analysis of Hashem's divine will, the divine will, he's telling them we have to leave, we have to continue to Yamsuf. They say, hold your horses, what do you mean? We have a mitzvah in the Torah. Mitzvah in the Torah. And even if there is a mitzvah that God wants us to hurry and rush and to receive the Torah, we know that ultimately the whole purpose of learning Torah is in order to do the mitzvahs. So you're telling us, that's why, even Bizman said nowadays, when you're learning Torah and a mitzvah comes your way, you have to stop learning Torah to do the mitzvah, because that contradicts the whole study of Torah. If you really believe in the Torah, the Torah is telling you to do the mitzvahs. Tachlis Torah, Truvamaisim Taivan. So, of course, we have to do the mitzvahs and not to run off to the races and involve ourselves in something else. And it's a mitzvah iveres, a mitzvah that's going to pass. In other words, you won't have a chance to do it again. It's in now or never. Of course, you have to focus on the mitzvah. So they argued with the logic of Moshe. And even so, and Moshe Rabbeinu was speaking in the name of God. Fine. The Rebbe says that it doesn't mean, Vayasa Bal Karchan, it doesn't mean that Moshe literally had to take them by the hand and force them. Of course, they listened to Moshe Rabbeinu, especially after such an experience. They listened, but it was against their will. It was against their will. In other words, it went against their logic. It went against their reasoning. Every fiber of their being and every bone of their body told them that this is wrong. What Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to do is incorrect, is wrong. That really, we should be, we should be doing the mitzvah of, uh, of despoiling the Egyptians. Just like we find in the Mishnah in Pekiyavis. Where it says, Al Al against your will you live, and against your will you die, which obviously is self-contradictory. Which one is it? Which clearly the answer is, as brought down in Chassidus, Ranat, Rebbe Rashab talks about, that of course the Neshama wants to be with the body, and give life, and energize the body, because it sees the value of the body, and it sees how the body, it could bring it to a place that it can never reach on its own. The reason why it's considered against its will is because, it's only because of the greatness of the body that I want to have a connection with the body. Not because it's natural for the soul. It actually goes against its nature to descend and come down into the body. And of course, that's a against its will it dies because it doesn't want to leave the body. Even though naturally it does want to go back up, it does want to leave, that's its natural state, but it wants the revelation that could come to it through the body. So, we, so the Rebbe uses that same translation, Chassidus over here, Al-Kurchan, that it was mamish against their will, the fact that they were forced to now leave behind the mitzvah of, of the spoiling of the because it, 
of the spoiling the Egyptians because it was as they understood what what Hashem's will should be, and Moshe Rabbeinu is, this, is is contradicting them and telling them to move forward. It actually, the Rebbe says an amazing uh, thought that it could very well be that it's not just Moshe Rabbeinu told them that you have to leave. Moshe Rabbeinu actually told them that the mitzvah is not applicable anymore. The mitzvah is not applicable anymore. Whatever sparks of holiness that were to be found in the Gashmias of the Egyptians have already been elevated, have already been taken by us. Everything you're taking now is no longer a mitzvah. It's like eating matzah not on Pesach. It's not a mitzvah anymore. For you now to continue spoil, despoiling the Egyptians is bachlan not a mitzvah. That wasn't the kavana of the Torah. That's not the Indian of what it is. Because we know that the klipa, the sitrach, the, 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 the shell that conceals godliness, this world at, in lar- at large, is supposed to receive a, a, a spark of holiness to bring it into existence. The problem is when it gets extra energy besides for the continuation, the perpetuation of its existence. So what Moshe Rabbeinu was revealing to them is that what, you're, what we're taking now away from the Egyptians is, is, is what they're supposed to have until Mashiach comes. We already took the extra sparks, everything in addition that the negativity takes from holiness We've elevated all those sparks, which, by the way, is why they got a mitzvah right then and there, that you're never going to go back. By Kriyas Yamsuf, you're never going to go back to Egypt because there's no sparks left for us in Egypt anymore. Which, of course, I suppose, this is why another form of why it would be against their will because it's tinged with tremendous sadness that you realize that it's expired and you have a bankanish and you wish that you could still do the mitzvah, but yet that opportunity has passed and now it's time to move along to the next mitzvah. The Rebbe learns what he calls a hira yisaydis, a foundational principle uh, and lesson from this in our Avedis Hashem. The Rebbe learns from here that a Jew has to be completely, totally, and absolutely focused on what they're doing to the point that if you tell them to do something else, even if it's an extremely positive thing, and even if it's something you're very excited about, going to receive the Torah, whatever it may be, you're supposed to be so invested in what you're doing that nothing else exists. And if you force me to do something else other than what I'm doing now, even if it's not what I'm interested in, but if this is what I'm doing, then I'm there 100%. It's, it's against my will. It's Baal Karchon. And the, there's a whole Fabrengen of the Rebbe Rashab, the opening of the Fabrengen, Yudas Kislev, Tafresh Samach Dalid, 1903, printed in Tere Shalom, where he really has two, three pages, Rebbe's Mitzay into it, about how you have to be where you are and nowhere else, right? That you can't be anywhere else. Um, <clears throat> that wherever you are, you have to be 100%. So the idea of a primi, you have to be where you are. So this is a very important lesson. But yet, yet at the same time, they listen to Moshe Rabbeinu. They listen, Vayasa. Ayasa, and when it's time to move on, when you're told that it's time to do a different avoida, on the one hand, your hergish has to be, it's against my will, but on the other hand, Balkorchach Atochai, the Rebbe says, you live in your state of Balkorchach. What does that mean? That means an amazing thing. That, on the contrary, when we understand the depth of the Jews' devotion and caring for Hashem's mitzvahs, in other words, that they were so heavily invested 
in the mitzvah, beyond rhyme, reason, rationality. It was completely irrational, completely want to follow Hashem to the bitter end. So then, whatever they're doing, it wasn't because it logically made sense to them. Even the original shlichus, the original mitzvah they were doing, was done in a manner of balkarchachav, against your will. In the sense that it wasn't logical, it was, it was, it was, it was coming from Kabbalah's ill, it was coming from the deepest depths of the neshama, where a person says, I'm going to follow Hashem, I'm committed 100%, not based on my reasoning. And because your commitment is in such a way of balkarchan, even in your original Avaidah, that's why you're able to switch an Avaidah when it's necessary. When the Nasi Adar tells you that it's time to do something else, even if it's something that wouldn't match what you think you should do, you're also going to do it 100% with all of your chayas and all of your energy and all of your simcha. And everyone, this applies in their life. How a Baal oil, a Yoshev oil, someone who sits and learns Torah has to be on Gwan Shlichas, has to do Biftzayim, has to be involved with other Jews completely and totally, and a Jew who's involved in the world has to be 100% invested that when he, wherever he is, he is 100%. And the and the final Haydar that Abba learns is that if the Jews, by finding out that there was more booty, felt it was so necessary to stay behind and continue taking it, we can learn a very important lesson from there. And no matter how much Yidin, how many Yidin, you were Makarif the Yiddishkeit, it's, you haven't done your Shlichus yet. I heard a story that uh, they told Chadukov that they got a certain amount of kids on a college student, uh, on a college campus to do something. So they asked, and how many students, and it was a tremendous number, it was hundreds of students. And he asked, how many Jewish students are on the campus? So they told them the number, 11,000, I think I heard. So he asked them, what percentage, it sounded like he was speaking in the name of the Rebbe, and what percentage of the Jews is that? That you affected. In other words, a yid's approach has to be that he's here one hundred percent, and therefore it's the moment the Jews found out there's more money, they there was there they, there was no stopping them until, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu told them that the avoid is over, and the tzitzis have been nizbarer, and it's time to march forward to uh, Har Sinai.